welcome to Friday Friends Day, a podcast by The Mama Marketer. My name is Olivia and I am your host and I am here today with my friend Corey. Tell us a little bit about you and how we met. Well, my day job, I'm actually in transition. So I just retired from the military after 23 years. Oh my gosh, cool. <laughs> and uh, I started working with the uh, Cedric County uh, Cedric County office for uh, Central Services. Cool. So I am now the Central Services Manager with Cedric County. Okay, so tell me Central Services, is that like, what type of services are you talking? So Central Services handles the uh, records management, the okay. print shop and the mail room for the county, okay. and uh, two call centers, the nice. uh, tax call center, and as well as the, um, the ComCare call center. Okay. So uh, yeah, that, that's my day job. Cool. Again, like I said, I'm, I'm five days in. <laughs> five days in, still wrapping my arms around everything that I, that I can control. Right. Yes. So, and, and how we met, we, we met through our kids. Yes. Uh, Sean and Nolan are in the same Boy Scout troop. And the, uh, the first time we met was at a, at a function. Right. I don't remember what function it was. It was some type of... Pick, uh, some yeah. sort of gathering that we we met at. That, that yeah. was the first time we met, but that was like in passing. Hey, yeah. Dean said, "Hey, this is my wife," and, <laughs> and then we kind of went yeah. separate ways. And then the uh, second time, uh, our reintroduction, yeah. I was talking to Dean, and he he said, "You really need to talk <laughs> to my wife." Yes. <laughs> and for like several weeks, he was like, "Did you email Corey yet?" Did you text Corey yet? Are you guys going to sit and talk? Because he was just like, you guys would have a lot of things. He was like, he has questions on the things that you're doing well, and you have questions on the things that he's done well. And so, yeah, Dean was definitely a big catalyst for, like, y'all should get together. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Okay, so, okay, the joke, I have to say it, the joke on my podcast is that I meet everyone, all my guests are from my church. And so I think this is now, like, two or three weeks in a row where it's not from my church, so yes. <laughs> booyah, everybody. Um, okay, so you are here, we are chatting because you are a content creator yourself. Yes. Um, so I wanna hear a little bit, definitely tell us what type of content you're making and why, but I kinda wanna know the stories that, that go over really well with my listeners are like the entrepreneur stories where it's like, when did you first decide, like I'm passionate about this topic and I wanna leverage social media to get this out there? Like. What was that moment like for you when you first decided, like, I'm going to be a fitness influencer, which every influencer I know in real life hates being called an influencer, so I understand that. But when did you decide that, and what was that like? So, I really don't consider myself an influencer. I know. <laughs> I don't either. So, the, uh, here, here's the whole story. The, uh, I got introduced into entrepreneurship at a very young age. My... I don't even know what to call him, but it was a, a person that I met. Okay. That like a mentor that, of sorts, kind well, of. Well, at the at the time, yes, he was a mentor. Okay. Um, a good mentor. Hmm, <laughs> okay. We'll, okay. We'll see. <laughs> but I, I was in high school, and I got introduced to uh, affiliate marketing, with, uh, not affiliate marketing, multi-level marketing. Right. Okay. Uh, Amway, which yeah. is now Quickstar. So oh, in high school, changed. Okay. in high school, I wow. was a an Amway representative, uh, and I brought brought my catalogs and everything into oh, the school, no. trying to sell to the teachers. <laughs> so that was my introduction into entrepreneurship. Um, 
you know, at, at the time, the teachers were like, oh, pass my class and I will do this for you. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I learned um, that prid, prid pro quo mm. uh, mindset from that. Right. You know, you do this and then I'll do. But mm-hmm. uh, as far as an influencer, um, I think I, I, things that I post on social media uh, have been for my growth and sanity. So mm-hmm. I can see where I was and how far I've come yes. in the process. Um, there have been people that have followed me and said, oh, you're doing great, keep it up. But in, in reality, it's like the, the things that I post have been because I was going through a hard time and mm-hmm. that I needed to uh, keep track of that. I yeah. needed to see that uh, that things changed over time. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of similarities to my own story. Funny enough, I actually started in Mary Kay mm-hmm. years ago, and I would do things a little bit differently. I was realizing that the little parties they wanted you to host was a lot of time and energy for maybe a lot, not a lot of sales, right? Mm-hmm. When I did yep. make a sale, it was a significant amount. This is expensive skincare, right? But it just like didn't match the energy. So I actually started a YouTube channel where I would like unbox the new things and like interview other consultants. And then I had randomly a um, salon down in Florida, which I was in Texas at the time, but a salon down in Florida messaged me and was like, hey, can we just play your channel on loop in our lobby? We need uh, stuff that like we're, we're the suggested videos that come up next aren't going to be weird or inappropriate. We need a nice, safe channel that we can play. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So then I was getting these online orders yep. from this YouTube channel. And I got to say, at the time, Mary Kay, like, kind of gave me a hard time about it. Like, corporate was not into using social media. It was too new. I think they've embraced it now. But that's kind of where I got started. And from there, it turned into, I'm going to do this for other businesses. Because I was getting maybe every 30 to 90 days when people would run out of their skincare, I'd get reorders. But Mm -hmm. I used to joke, my bills are every 30 days. So like I need something month to month. So then I started billing people month to month to let me make their content. And that's how the marketing agency started. So Roots in MLM. And I think it has its good things, but I think it's not perfect, right? Like I think it has its bad things too. Um, Now for uh, someone trying to start a business, that that is a perfect way to do it. The, um, so when I did social media, wasn't a real thing, you know, not as young as I was, (laughs) Uh, it wasn't a real thing. And so I contacted businesses. Mm -hmm. I went business to business and let them know, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I'd like to support you. Can will you let me support you? Um, you know, some were receptive. Others were, eh, get out of here, kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but again, I was in high school. Yeah. This is like 1992. Yeah, and I think for I think it works really good as a side hustle, as mm-hmm. a like yeah. hobby business. But I was actually trying to replace an income with yep. it, and that was kind of tough. So. And, and that's the uh, that's the thing that a lot of people don't get. You know, as a side hustle. You know you can do that, but if your side hustle is costing you more money yes. than your than yeah. your life, it, you know it kind of hurts yeah. you. Um, my advice, a, my advice to people that are like, "Hey, I'm being recruited for an MLM. What do you think?" I'm always like, "Have a dollar amount, 
Like treat it as a real business. This mm-hmm. is what you're willing to invest. And when you go past that, it's like gambling in Vegas. Yep. You gotta get out. You gotta get out after you spent that money. If you're not making it back, then you just have to do something else. Exactly. Because um, I see so many people, and they do. The companies tell you to to spend more, to make more, and all this. Um, yeah, but it's only making them money. Yeah, exactly. It's and I'm I'm really money. big on like with entrepreneurship and the American dream and all that. I don't know that every person is cut out for it. Mm-hmm. And I think just because we can, I don't necessarily think that every, like I know families that are like, that I'm worried about personally because they're putting so much into a thing, but it's a, a, like a business plan, but it's after it's, so long, if it hasn't yeah, churned a profit. If you're not seeing that return, then yeah. you have to start developing yes, your exit strategy. Exactly. The other thing we have in common is for the longest time, so my Instagram is my biggest following by far. I'm pushing like 1,400, 1,500. That's, there's people that are bigger, there's people that are smaller, but that is my biggest following. And funny enough, my Instagram, when I started it, was completely private. I didn't even tell anyone that I had it. What I would do is I would post these like really happy moments that, that I was having or the family was having, and I used it as a way. Um, there's a something that a therapist suggested one time was to help with anxiety and depression, keep these little note cards and I would keep them in my purse. And when something really awesome would happen, I would write down that awesome thing that happened. And then the next time I was feeling depressed or was having a panic attack, I'd go look back at these note cards. It would be like, remember when someone gave you a free copy? Mm-hmm. Remember when your kid said this for the first time? And so basically I adopted that concept to where I didn't have to do it on note cards. I was using my Instagram for that. Yes. And so I get really salty when people are like, oh, social media is only highlighting the best parts of your life. They're not showing the negative parts. And I'm like, well, yeah. Because I used to go back and scroll through when I was in the middle of a panic attack and I'd be like, look, there are good things happening Mm -hmm. and this is documentation of it to see how far I've come. Um, And then it just got to a point where like people wanted to see that and people either were cheering me along or were looking for me to encourage them and it kind of just launched into a whole thing. But yeah, it started as a personal way of helping me progress with mental health. People like happy stories. Yeah. So, I mean, that there's a there's a saying that, you know, if you don't like what you're seeing, turn it off. Right. <laughs> if you do like what you're seeing, you know, yeah. keep going, keep watching it. And, you know, sometimes people just have to say something negative. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's inevitable. If and you... I, I do think the key ingredient, though, is just making sure it's authentic. Yes. Like, as long as it is, is authentic. I'm not the one that likes to post the crying picture and be like, I'm having a vulnerable moment with you. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, yeah. I don't enjoy melancholy. I mm-hmm. don't enjoy seeing it, watching it, reading it. And so I don't want to put that out to others. I mean, um, be, let's, let's be honest. Who airs their dirty laundry? Yeah. Who puts everything that's negative that's happening in their life yeah. for the world to see? Nobody does that. Yeah. So when you post something on online, it's something that you're proud of. You're right. happy about it and you want to share it and you want people to share that experience yeah. with you. You know, I think maybe a handful of people will post something yeah. that is going wrong in their life yeah. that they want to share. You know, yeah. uh, Recently, funerals have been being posted online, yeah. stuff like that. You know, you want to, sh- you want others to share in, in in that memory. Yeah. But nobody really airs the negative. Yeah. They shouldn't be, at least. Or yeah. They, sh- they shouldn't be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to, you were selling Amway in high school. Tell me specifically about your entrepreneur journey from there to where you're at now. Like, because I have a feeling there's some cool steps in there. 
there, there are some steps. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, like you, uh, and I wanted something more out of uh, what Amway had to, was offering me. Um, so from Amway, I started doing uh, printing. Mm. Uh, a couple of the a couple of the guys on my mom's job also had side hustles, and they needed some uh, some documents. So I would type up their documents, print cool. them out, bind them, and and uh, they pay me for that. Um, it, it went on for about three or four years uh, okay. that they would use me. Uh, a couple of local businesses wanted some business cards, and I cool. would design their card and get them printed. Oh gosh, uh, cool. From there, the uh, I took a turn towards writing. I liked mm -hmm. to write, um, and it wasn't something that just oh I like writing. Let me start writing. It, I wrote in high school. I mm -hmm. got some praise for it. Wrote in elementary school. Got some praise mm -hmm. for cool. it. So I said, okay, let me let me see what I can do here. Yeah. I actually found something that I wrote from years ago, cool. and uh, <laughs> I was like, wow, I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, then I took a turn. To, I started writing. Uh, my grandmother was huge in poetry. My great grandmother mm. was huge in poetry. Uh, so in high school, I I wrote poems. Uh, wrote one for my wife and cool. And, uh, she sealed the deal. Was sealed. that like yes? I don't. I don't <laughs> think that sealed the deal because we uh, in high school we we dated for uh, quite a bit of time. Okay. Um, but it was certainly but it was, some icing. I bet it was. It was icing on the cake. <laughs> yes. And, and actually, for for her, it was one of those things that. And, and this is going to sound wrong, but it is part of our journey. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those things that I said, you're always here. Go away. <laughs> um, but when it came back around for us to time for us to be together, it yeah. was one of those things that she thought of fondly. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so um, in, in that, all of those uh, poems that I wrote in high school, though, um, as an adult, so I, I did try to get them published through a mm -hmm. publisher and I got a bunch of rejection letters, uh, letters telling me that I was too young, it's going to cost a whole lot of money, so you shouldn't shouldn't be looking yeah. at this right now. It's, it was a, it's another door that got slammed yeah. in, go away, kid. That's where I'm at right now. I have one publisher that really wants to publish, like mm -hmm. a, emails every couple of weeks. Yep. But it's a, it's a hybrid, which we've talked about before and we can talk more about, but... Um, I mean, it's a couple, like, it's like 2300 bucks, I think, to get started. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, not, I don't believe in putting a whole lot of money into any business venture that you start up. Like, I think you bootstrap yep, it you until bootstrap you make it. it. And so that's where I'm sitting at, where I'm like, I'm so flattered that someone wants to publish this and is emailing me very frequently about it. But I don't have, like, okay, I don't want to say I don't have the money, but I don't have the money that I want to put to that. So, so it, it's like, it's, yeah, it's. Here's the thing with that. Um, and, and we've talked about this. Yeah. So, in any business venture, yes, you are going to have uh, some overhead. You're going to have capital that you're going to have to put in. Uh, but a lot of that time, a lot of the time, it does not need to be financial. Yeah. Like, there, there are I've things... I've put in two years of my life writing a book. Yeah, that, like, should, that should all <laughs> that equity. you have to do. If somebody <laughs> likes your work enough yeah. to say, okay, I want to take this from you and put it out there. Yeah. Okay, that then... Take the financial cost. If yeah. you like it this much, that means somebody else is going to like it to buy it from yeah. you. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and I had that same experience with uh, the books that I published. Right. Um, you know, I, I had it. I spent 
four or five years of my life writing yep. these uh, this material and for them to say <laughs> send me a letter that says go away kid yeah it was kind of heartbreaking i love that you got letters yes i, I, I got <laughs> <Because> letters <laughs> i get emails and i'm like oh my gosh i'd be so frustrated like i feel like the process would have taken that much longer mm-hmm. doing it by mail like props to you for being I don't know. I feel like I would not have been able to deal, but yeah. I also wouldn't have had, you didn't have anything to compare it to. Right. You know, Nothing but to compare yeah. it to at that time. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> so when, but again, that te- like you said, that technology wasn't there when I was doing this. So fast forward to 2005, I'm sitting at Dover Air Force Base mm. and I get a, um, a, a pop-up that said, uh, publish your own book. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, I got material. Yes. (laughs) So I didn't do it right then. I actually researched Mm -hmm. what did it take to publish a book. So I I went through the the material. I I compiled all of the poems that I wanted to put into Mm -hmm. the book. Um, I researched how to start a publishing company, what a publishing Mm -hmm. company does, you know, uh, the distribution of the book. I went through the entire gambit until I felt that I was smart enough to go ahead and do this on my own. And the the initial printing of the book uh, was the hardest part because Mm -hmm. you had to design the book. You're on the hook for that formatting and that. Yeah. Exactly. So, but I took those rejections and that fueled me to want to do it on my own. So, and how cool that that information is out there, yeah, like to self-publish, which is something I am have not ruled it out by any means. Mm-hmm. I'm just praying about the b- best next steps. But yeah, if I decided to do that, not only would I be texting you, but also that's all available on the internet to figure yes. that out. Um, and how cool that, like you said, those rejections fueled you to keep re- researching until you figured until out how to do it. I was able to do it on my own. Yeah. yeah. And then here I am now, two books published and... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's out, it's out there. I don't have to do anything but yeah. say, hey, did you see my book? Yeah. So go ahead and tell us the name of your books and where to find them. So the uh, first book is titled On This Day, okay. which is uh, titled after a poem that I wrote for my mother uh, for her wedding. The uh, second book is titled Man to Man. Uh, both of those were on Amazon, but if not, you can uh, find them on Corey-Stokes.com. Okay, and I will definitely link to his website. I did see Man to Man on Amazon. I just like randomly was like, what's Corey on Amazon? And I definitely saw the Man to Man one. So, um, okay, On This Day and Man to Man, yep. both poetry. Both poetry. And both available on Amazon or your website, which I will link to. So um, so that's really cool. I, I think... I think we, I, there's a lot, I think anyone who is a writer or a creator gets to the point where they're like having this discussion, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was at a conference one time and it was like really big influencers and bloggers running some of the biggest websites and I was chatting with one of them afterwards and at this point I was just running the marketing agency and she was like, all marketers eventually get sick of doing it for other people and will start to be their own brand. Yes. And she was right and that's where I'm at. And then fast forward a couple years later, I'm here in Wichita and I met one of my favorite authors at a, a Christian event, women's event, and she and I introduced myself as a blogger or an influencer. No, I think I said blogger. And she was just like, don't call yourself that. You're an author. Like yeah. you're a writer. And so she was like, all people that are good at making social media posts eventually write longer form on blog and the next natural progression to is to a do book. a full book. And yeah. so, so yeah, I think that is something... 
for entrepreneurs or content creators, like I think you eventually work your way there. Um, and so, yeah, you, you make it sound attainable that you mm-hmm. could self-publish. Um, so when I did it, when I self-published, this is a, it's a two-step process. It's a multi-step process, but it's a two-step process. When I self-published, my goal for the first book was just to put it out there. Have a physical Have thing. This yep. physical <laughs> thing that you can see to say, yes, I did it. I published a book. But oh, throughout the process, I, I've learned some things, mm. uh, you know, and I took that and I put it into the second book. Mm. The, and it's the same thing that the publishing companies do. The publishing companies, when they see your work, they want to see not just your work, but that your work has a following. Mm-hmm. And yep. if you take, if they can take that following and put the material that you've already given your following mm-hmm. into a product, then it makes them money. Gotcha. And yep. my thought was, why can't I do that for myself? Yep. Yep. I think, uh, I can't remember, there was an author webinar that I was listening to one time, and they talked about the three Ps, and they said, your practice, like you have to actually be good at the art of writing, mm-hmm. your, and your platform, which is, again, having a built-in following. They yep. were saying most publishing companies won't even talk to anyone that doesn't Unless have a built-in following. Exactly. Um, and I can't remember what the other... P was so must not have been that important, but it Pro- was probably profitability. Am I going to make money from exactly. your, your material and your following? Yeah, so that's what kind of led you here. You had books that were already published, mm-hmm. um, self published, and so that's kind of what led you to think like I should be utilizing this social media thing to have that what's now considered that missing piece yep. um, for publishing for selling. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you take what you have and you put it out there yep. into the world. And Facebook, Twitter, yep. Instagram, that, those are all platforms that put your material out into the world for your following to see. Yeah, um, I heard there that they're also looking for like, um, if your topic is one thing that you share about, but then you try to go write about a totally different topic, like they don't necessarily, they want to know that you're already kind of, an mm-hmm. ex- they, not an expert, but a voice in your field. Yeah, they, they um, they want to drill you down to a, a niche market. Yes. And uh, it's not, you know, the world, a person is not a one idea person. Yep. You have multiple ideas, yeah. which which is a, a curse and a blessing. Yeah. If, uh, if you don't, if you try to limit your thoughts and ideas, yep. you always, always feel like you're leaving part of yourself out. Yep. And uh, that, that's... One of the things that I struggle with, because like, I'm, as you've seen on my page, I, I'm a fitness guy. Mm-hmm. I like fitness, but not for the vanity of it, for right. the, the health, the mental health, the financial health, the, yeah. you know, the full aspect of fitness. And that's what I share. Right. Okay, before we get into the different types of content, if someone is looking to self-publish, mm-hmm. where would you say should be like the one place they should start? Like, what is the one resource? What is the one thing? And you can say call you, but like, what is the, where's the one place someone that maybe is still in the writing process and is not sure what they want to do when they get to publishing and like the best place they should look for self-publishing info? So call me. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the, the, my son asked me the same question. My son yeah. is interested in publishing a book and uh, 
he has a, a blog out that he's putting stuff out cool. on now, and I, I'd be he'd be mad at me if I didn't put a plug. Yes, in. yeah, but, I uh, can put that in the episode notes too if you send me his. Yeah, stuff. I sure will. And so what I told him was build your following. So people look at everything that's out there, and they say, okay, where do I start? And they go towards the things that's going to cost them money. Mm to start. If you are a brand new writer, unless you have a day job, putting money into a business is not where you should start. Mm. You already have a Facebook, you already have an Instagram, you already have a Twitter. Start there. Mm. Publish your content. Put your ideas out there. Even if it's not your full material, right. put it out there. Once you have a following, everything else will fall into place. It's a little easier. Yeah. yeah. I was also reading to, um, this was actually from the same author webinar, I think, and they were saying that not only is, not only will have the following help you when you're ready to sell a book, but it also will help you like to kind of test content. Like you mm -hmm. have a built-in like case study, or not a case study, what's it, like a focus group. Yeah. You have a built-in focus group where you can put out these little concepts and see how they go over. Yep. And I'm really big on like people that are using social media for business, like check your insights, check your analytics, mm -hmm. have those things in place, be regular about it. You will glean a lot of information from that data. But the same thing is true even if you don't wanna look at charts and graphs and lines, like you can see what posts people engage with and what posts people don't. And exactly. so you should be tracking that information to help drive your content and so yeah it's and, and even if you don't use the Google Analytics and the the stat uh, apps that they have out there uh, one thing that my wife does and I'll give you her link as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife sells her own clothes oh cool but she when she shares that information she doesn't share uh, she doesn't share it to say hey here's a here's some clothes I made I can make this for you. No, that's not yeah. her goal. Her goal is to put out the process. This mm -hmm. is what I'm learning. Yeah. And she she tracks how well she's doing by how people respond. Yeah. You know, so when you put stuff out there, even if it's just, you're just testing an idea. Mm -hmm. I tested an idea for financial fitness. Mm -hmm. Not very many people like that idea. <laughs> so, you know, but... It's a trial and error. Yeah. Did, did it cost me anything? Maybe a few hours of writing. Right. Um, but I put the out there. I, I shipped it. I put the idea idea out there to see how people would respond yes. to it. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with, with publishing. With, if you have an idea, you create the idea, ship it. Yep. And see how it goes. Yeah. If it doesn't go well, you bring it back, you redo it, yeah. make some edits, and put it out there yeah. again. Oh my gosh, I love the way you compared putting content out there to like actually shipping like an e-commerce product or an, a retail product. Yeah. Like you really are shipping it, posting it, and then yeah, sometimes you might need to like the person might be like is broke or it didn't work well or whatever mm -hmm. and then you have to adjust you so know it, and anyone in a retail business is taking the time to look at their bottom line exactly so our bottom line is our time and our energy and the things we're creating take the time to look at how it's performing exactly you know? and for for content creators that's exactly what it is that is our product that content 
So you might not be able to put it in a box and slap a label on it, right. but you're shipping it. You're yeah. putting it out into the world. I hear from some aspiring authors too that they like don't want to do a blog or they don't want to do like little snippets of posts because they don't want to like give away the content for their book or they're afraid to parse it down into like a little caption. But everything that I read was like, if your content is good, if the content of your book is good as a whole, you should be able to parse out little parts of it for either a post, whether it's a blog post or a social media post, it should basically stand up, yes. right? It should be yes. intriguing enough to where even if they decide to buy the book and they're like, oh, I read this on the blog already, there should still be enough other content to make it to where it's like worth it. And basically they, the advice from this webinar was like, don't, don't worry about that. Just get it out there in front of people. So, um, and it should still, if it's well-written, it should still be worth it so, in a book. The one of the fitness sites that I follow is uh, fitnessblender.com. Love Kelly and Daniel. Yeah, I haven't met them. Okay, if they hear this, I need to meet you. Yes, <laughs> but fitnessblender.com, they are uh, the role models, I would say, for just what you said. The, the majority of their content is free. It's them doing exercises that they put into the world for others to follow. They do have items that are paid for, mm -hmm. but they've built up such a following putting that free content right. out that when it was time for them to start introducing more stuff, mm -hmm. people jumped on it. Right. You know, so it doesn't matter what you're putting out there. If you have content that you're trying to put into the world, whether it's part of a book or part uh, of a, a series, right. you know, put it out there. Because yeah. it's not doing anything for you sitting on your shelf. Exactly, yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, you, and and it can... you won't know if people will respond to it yeah. if you don't put it out there. And, and that's, the, uh, that, that's the point. Yeah is when you create a book, you wanna know that it will sell. Right. You wanna know that people will will like what you hear, and what better way to do that than to just put it out there anyway. Yeah, because it doesn't cost anything to you to, to do a social media post, right? Exactly. So, exactly. I love that. Okay, so start on social media, and then call Corey when you're ready to take kind of take it to that next level and talk about self-publishing. Um, okay, so I wanna talk a little bit, um, we alluded to it earlier, but I wanna talk a little bit about, you and I have talked, and it's, you know, people will give you business advice if you say that you're going to be like a lifestyle brand or whatever it is. And they'll be like, what is your one niche? You know, pick mm -hmm. one thing that you're into. I have been given that advice before too. Um, but we talked at our first real meeting about how like people are not one dimensional. Nope. And like that's another thing that is my Instagram is different than my other social media platforms in which it's everything. Mm -hmm. It could be farming one day, marketing one day, talking about the royal family the next day. Like my Instagram is all the parts of me in an uncensored, unplanned manner. And some people will be like, oh, you need to like, you know, parse it out a little bit, have a separate account for this or a separate account for that. And I don't believe in that. No. I think these are all parts of me. We are all, we are multidimensional people. No person thinks about just marketing all day. You don't think about just fitness all day. Mm -hmm. There are other parts to you, and I love people that are embracing, like, putting all the sides to, to you out there, right? Yes. Um, and I think it's that authenticity thing where it does feel a little bit more authentic um, 
because people know their own selves and they know that they don't have one track mind all day. It, it, it makes you real. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So there are a couple of different facets to you. We've already talked about entrepreneurship and obviously poetry and writing. Um, but what I see you mostly post about is fitness. Mm-hmm. And then on your blog, I see a lot of financial advice. Yes. And I love the idea of you had said something about be financially fit and be physically fit. And yes. I love the idea of putting those two together because they are both things that you have to practice at, mm-hmm. things that you can royally mess up, things that you can improve upon given time, mm-hmm. things that cannot be overnight fixes. Exactly. I love the two things, the two kind of sides together. So tell us a little bit about the type of fitness content, about the financial content, and how you feel like they work together. So first, uh, one of the things that you, go back a little bit to yeah. one of the things that you said, the, you know, people are, are stuck on, I gotta make things a habit. And they think, okay, once I do this for a certain amount of time, then thirty I'm days build, to make a new yeah, habit or whatever it is. Yeah, twenty-one no, days. That's a twenty-one days, thirty <laughs> days, sixty days. It doesn't matter how many times you do it, but you have to make a conscious decision every day mm-hmm. that this is what you want to do. Yeah. You know, when that, I do that's those, how you build a habit. When I do those little challenges that are like twenty-one days, thirty days. I am counting down to that last day. Uh-huh. And there's a very clear like, oh, it's the 31st day. I'm done with that. I can drink coffee today. I can eat carbs today. So it's yep. like, Ooh, I don't like putting a, a time on it because like, yeah, sure. You proved, like I think one time I went without drinking for however many days. And it's like, yeah, I proved that I could do it. I but what I did I do on that, on that first day, day after it was over? I think I, I made it about a, a two weeks on a non-drinking challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I. I. Yeah. I'm with you there. Where it doesn't. Those. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily stick. need to be a habit. It needs to be a decision. Right. It needs to be a con- not just a decision. It needs to be a conscious decision. Right. Tell me about. Um, so most of the content that you share is in the fitness, physical fitness realm, mm-hmm. or in the financial planning and help realm. So tell us a little bit about what happens in each of those. Like your okay. views on physical fitness, your views on financial planning. So physical fitness. As I said, I'm retiring from the military, and which is a big part. Was a big part of fitness. Um, If you don't know anything about the military fitness program, it is designed uh, to make you a warrior athlete. Um, So fitness was a big part of my life for the last 23 years that I've served, Um, and in leaving the military. I don't want that part of my life to go away. Uh, you see, you'll see a lot of uh, uh, vets on the on the street. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of vets that are, are health problems. That have health yeah. problems, and I personally don't want to be one of those people. Uh, so fitness is not again, like I said, it's not just about the physical appearance. Fitness is a whole person concept. Mm-hmm. Mental fitness health fitness, financial fitness, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then doing all of those things, yes, the, you you do get a nicer body. You can get six-pack abs. And yeah. It does help a little there bit. Is a, there is a, we're really big on seen and unseen benefits. So there's yes. obviously a seen benefit to there's being benefit to physically being fit. fit. Yes. But the unseen benefits, it's kind of how I feel about raising our own food. Yes. Like people are like, oh, you do it to save money. Oh, like, no. No, actually, it's really easy to make this more expensive than the grocery store if you're not careful. Yes. I do it for the health. Yes. I do it because that's more important to me. <laughs> so, again, alcohol is not healthy. Consume responsibly. Right, yes. But I started making my own alcohol. 
I started making my own beer, my own wine. And it's not because it's more healthy, Mm -hmm. but I can control what I put into it. Yeah. You know, I don't have to put in the the additives and stuff to keep it uh, safe on the shelf that might add more weight to me than I want. Yes. You know, so it's... It's a whole person concept. Like yeah. I said, it's it's not just the the physical appearance of being uh, fit. It's about being healthy. Right. So how does, um, and tell me a little bit about, I know there's a lot of advice on your blog about not just financial planning, but just financial concepts, mm-hmm. even as simple as like personal accounting. And this is a place where I know a lot of people that struggle, especially generationally. Like I know people like me that, Like maybe their like grandparents or their parents grew up poor. And so like there was a time where I'd be like, oh, well, I at least have more money than my, you know, generations past did. So like I'm good, right? I can, I can charge this on the credit card. They don't even have credit cards. I can do this. I can do that. But like that's not, that ended up not being good. And now we're, we're debt free and we paid off all of our cars, all of our credit cards. The only debt we have right now is the mortgage, which mm-hmm. I'm like, that's fine. That doesn't really count, right? Um, it does, but <laughs> we've paid off a lot of things. And so I know people that have struggled generationally. I also know through my work with the family shelter in uh, Wichita that there are a lot of men where their families are put in these situations where they're struggling because the men did not have financial role models to even tell them like, no, you don't get a paycheck and go spend it Mm-hmm. You know, at the bar, you like actually feed your kids first. Like, I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying these are the things that I've seen happen. And so I know that it's not just like retirement planning or, you know, it's like day to day accounting. And like, this used to be a thing that people would teach in school. Like, I learned how to balance a checkbook and how to make a budget. I don't know if they're still teaching it or if kids are soaking it in, but I know that it's a struggle point. So, see, that's, that's it right there. Who uses a checkbook anymore? Right. So, but they don't teach about swiping a card. They, they were quicker to teach you about how to manage your credit than they are to teach you about yes. managing your check balance, your checking mm-hmm. account balance. Yep. And I know like for me, I think I used to keep a ledger. Like I used to keep like a checkbook. And then of course everything went to like debit cards and whatnot. I was so bad at like remembering to check my balance and check like my statements and like make sure. And then, oh my gosh, I was just complaining to someone the other day about their their kiddo is like maybe 12, 13 and got a first debit card. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, hey, it's good for her to learn with you because my first debit card experience was in college and I would always overshoot by like five, 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, overdraft fees, like 30 bucks from one bank and 50 bucks to another bank. And I was that person where I was like constantly being like, dad, I need like $100 in overdraft fees, not even mm-hmm. for fun, for fees. And so it's like I was so bad because I was taught how to balance a checkbook. I wasn't taught how to like, I don't know, I had such a disconnect. It was like all or nothing. You Either I'm, I'm spend. Right, exactly. Um, and so, so yeah, so I know it's a, a struggle point. And so tell us a little bit about like just in general, like your, your ideas, your concepts, and your kind of principles around financial fitness. So, which I love. It, I know you said people didn't love that, but I think that's awesome. <laughs> I think it explains it so, so well yes. that it, because it is an ongoing decision. Like, I know someone that whenever they get their paycheck, because they got a paycheck, they think they can go shopping. Yeah, and, and it's like, no, you don't have to. You can sit on that. Like, it doesn't have to burn a hole in your pocket. I used to be that way, but I get more joy nowadays out of seeing the bank account number grow 
than seeing the stuff grow. Yes. And so, um, so yeah, it is a decision, just like being physically fit. It is a decision, a decision that you have to make. Fit as exactly. Well. Like to me, it makes total sense. So tell us a little bit about financial fitness and also kind of how, um, how that became part of you to go along with these other parts we talked about. So I'll start there. Yeah. The it's what was it? It's been eight, eighteen years now. Yeah. I think. Oh my gosh. It's been a while. <laughs> so it's, it was a while. Um, you know, I wasn't always financially astute. I was not always financially aware, and it took my wife bawling <laughs> on the couch because we were in so much debt and she did not she wasn't aware of it for me to realize damn I need to do something yeah and so she it was actually at her suggestion that I started on this path mm. and um, I actually have a blog post that goes through that oh, story cool. okay um, I'll send you the link yeah um, but a friend of ours gave us a book and if you if you ever talk to me and I, and I say the phrase I learned that in the book yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's a cartoon phrase that my kids used to watch and I, I adopted it nice <laughs> um, so I, and they he gave us this book and I we started reading it together and I just took off with it mm. um, so the concepts I've been I'm a lot, not a, I don't think I would say I'm a logical person, but if you give me the information, you're gonna put it into action. I'm gonna put it into action. Um, so the book was uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. I was gonna ask if it was Ramsey, okay. <laughs> yes, it's Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Um, and a lot of people don't like Dave Ramsey because of his religious side. Okay. Um, and they, they say money and finance shouldn't mix, but if you look in the Bible, it there's tons oh, yeah. about money in the Bible. Yes. They even wrote a book about yeah. uh, everything the Bible says about money. Yeah. Um, but his principles, uh, which was things that I was doing already, just in reverse. Mm. So uh, the one thing that he said that I that stuck out to me that made me hone in on what he was saying was that you don't have to have a car payment. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a credit card payment. Mm -hmm. You know, those you things. You don't have to go to college right. and you, take out a you, maximum amount from the government. Yes. You don't, you don't have, have, like, have there to have are that student so loan. many scholarships available. Right. Yeah. Scholarships, payment plans, working. working. <laughs> there are other yes. things Community to do. colleges. Yes. Yeah. There are things that you can do. We're, we're almost trained that that's the norm. You know, we're, exactly. we're, I remember my parents being told, get your kids a credit card as young as possible to help their credit. Yep. Get them credit so that they can borrow against yep. it as an adult. And it's uh -huh. like that, I feel like it's so, not. Here's the thing. And people don't know this. And I would walk away from here if I didn't say it. I'd be <laughs> upset. Your credit score is based on how well you pay back debt. Yeah. So if you have zero debt, your credit score is low. Yeah. If you have if you have zeros debt, you have no credit score. Yeah. If you have a low credit score, you have a lot of debt. If you have a higher credit score, 
you pay that debt very well, which yeah. just means you borrow money a yeah. lot, which means you are not living within your means. Right. And it's tough because I know uh, like a cousin of mine went to go like finance his first car ever and had no credit mm -hmm. and they would not. And they he's like, he's like, I take finances very seriously. I don't spend more than I make. Mm -hmm. Here I am a grown person. This is the first time I'm trying to finance a new car just for me. He had been through a breakup and he just wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a Porsche or anything. It was yeah, just, just a, a yeah. And car. he could not do it because he had yep. zero credit. And it's like just the system. I, it's going to seem counterproductive, mm -hmm. but like seriously, you do not have to take on so, debt. So yeah. the credit card, you know, same thing in school. People told me, oh, get a credit card, build up your credit. Yeah. The credit card is only a small portion of your credit score. It's like 0.2%, 0.02% or something like that. I don't know the exact yeah. figure, but it is a very small portion of your credit score. You have uh, your assets, how much money you have, how much available mm -hmm. cash you have. You have your expenses, your liabilities, how much money you owe. Right. And then there's a formula that they use to calculate how well you pay your liabilities. Yeah. And in that liabilities, there's a whole range of, of, yeah. of uh, categories. Yeah. And credit cards are a very small portion of it. Yeah, so it sounds like that's not even helpful. So. Right, it's not. <laughs> bad advice. It's not, it's bad. it is yeah. very bad yeah. advice. And then on the flip side of that, there's my friend with no credit that couldn't get the car, and then I have so many friends that were told to just take out the max amount of money because the only time in your life you'll get free money is when you're is trying to pay for college. college. So they maxed it out for four years. Now they're crippled by being able to pay it back. At the same time, it's messing mm -hmm. up their credit. Their credit. Yep. And it's just, so my husband and I have zero college debt combined. We, we took on some credit card debt when we went a little crazy, but like I said, we paid it off. So I'm not even focusing on that bad financial so. part of time. But I, just, I feel bad for my friends that like I said, took out the most money they could for college, mm -hmm. cannot pay it back now because they're not, they don't have degrees in their fields that they can work. So mm -hmm. they're working like a, you know, hourly job to pay it back. And then even when they do pay it off, their credit is going to be, be shot to wrecked and have to rebuild. And it's just, yeah, it's just so like, even, even we found ourselves in a situation we needed to climb out of without college debt, mm -hmm. without bad credit. And so, so it's just, it's the system. It, like I said, it, it, makes you think you need to do it, but you gotta like trust us on this. You do not have to, you there are other need, ways to go about it. You do not need credit cards. And you the thing about the credit cards, debt. credit cards, that, the thing about the credit cards that got us in trouble is they started doing this thing where like, we'd wake up one day or we'd get a thing in the mail and it'd be like, oh, we gave you an extra 5,000. We'd be like, okay, yep. cool. Oh, we gave you an extra 10,000, okay, cool. Yep, if yep. you put it there, we didn't have the restraint at the time. If yep. you put it there, I'm gonna spend it which we did, and the next thing we know, they're, it's... They're rewarding you yes. for paying your bill on time. Rewarding me with debt. Thanks yes, a lot, guys. They're rewarding <laughs> me with more debt. Yes. <laughs> so, which, which is where my philosophy comes in. So, and uh, I'll tell you how, because um, my daughter's in college now, mm -hmm. and how we're doing that, uh, in addition to helping her build her credit, uh, so that she can get an apartment yeah. right after college. Yeah. Um, so, my philosophy is this live within your means. And what does that mean? You go out to work 40 hours a week, 20 hours a week, however much you're working. Your means 
is the amount of income that your time is generating. Mm -hmm. And if you are living within that, those means, you are not borrowing extra mm -hmm. to yep. supplement it. So live within your means. Yep. If that means that you can't afford a, a, a pair of Nike sneakers, guess what? Nike is not the only brand. Yeah. If you can't afford the latest iPhone, there's somebody selling one very yes. cheaply there's on Facebook. There's 12 other versions you can buy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so live within your means. You don't have to have the latest and greatest. You don't have to have the, late, the most expensive. And just because the cell phone company will finance it to you, don't it fall into that trap. Yes. We don't do that. If yes. we can't buy the phone outright, we're not about we making my monthly bill higher. My, my cell phone is... Uh, I just upgraded it to the iPhone 8. Yeah, I was on a 6 and I just got an 8 too. Yes. So like it works perfectly fine. We are professional content creators and I'm telling you, it takes you don't pictures, have to buy the... It takes just, pictures yep. just as well as yep. the newer one. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah I remember someone means. telling me one time they had asked my dad, so my grandfather, my Papa Tim, they had asked him, one of the other cousins that spent more time with him was like, what's your advice? Because he did pretty well. Mm -hmm. He had 10 kids. He was in politics in Idaho. Um, he, he did, he did well. Um, and he was like, just spend less than you make. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And it, and cause he grew up he, from what was explained to me, what was related to me was he grew up when credit was first becoming a thing. Like uh -huh. you could get credit at the grocery store, credit at the bar, whatever. Yeah. And he was like, that sounds and, weird and to me. People, people were reluctant to do that yes. because they didn't, I mean, kind of like now there's this new thing, uh, kind of like now with COVID the yeah. shot is available. Yeah. And people are like, oh, it's new. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. The credit was the same yep. way. You know, they introduced credit, buy now, pay later. I feel like that's one of the worst things the that worst government... Things that they did in, this, I got in all, the history of yes. the country. I got all kinds of problems with government and what they're doing to Americans. But that's historically one of the... That and taxes. Two of the <laughs> worst things. And they probably did them at the same time. They're like, let's make them spend more and then tax them on it. But like... Oh, yeah, they like really sold this idea. So like, yeah, be cautious about it. And I know some people that think living within your means means, oh, well, Capital One says I can have $5,000 credit card. That's within my means. I've earned that because of like they're saying that I can manage this. And it's like, no, living within your means is a cash-based concept, not a credit-based concept. <laughs> if they are giving you a if they are giving you additional credit, that means they are going to profit off of the money that they are giving you. Yeah. And uh, I developed the mindset that, and I have to thank my wife for this, that I'm not going to give you my money just because you asked me yeah. for it. Yeah. Uh, so Dean is really, Dean has been really big on, we bought my car, we financed it, I don't know how many years ago. It's paid off now, but I, so I don't remember how long ago, but his recently in the last like, five to 10 years has been like, like you said, I am not going to buy a car that I can't pay cash for. I am not mm -hmm. going to finance a car. And we have more cars now than we ever did when we were buying them from the dealership. Like yes. we have three or four cars because it's like, oh, well this one, they wanted a few hundred bucks for it. Let's see if it runs. This one bought from a family member they were gonna trade in. Like it's just, I didn't, I was taught that when it's time you go and you trade in your clunker and you and finance you a new one. one and it's mm -hmm. based on like anytime I would get a new job and would make it up into a different like, you know, earning potential, I'd be like, oh, well, what kind of car can this salary get me? But that's not, and that's, that's no one's fault. That's do. just what I that's thought. That's what you were taught. Um, and so. you do not have to buy cars that way. We've bought several cars now and helped other people do the same thing where it's like, you don't have to go to a dealership. 
You don't have to like do all these things and do all this financing. Like there are so many cars on the secondhand market, Mm -hmm. which side note, it's also better for the environment. These are huge pieces of trash that get crunched and put into landfills and it's awful. So it's like, there's so much more life in cars than, so yeah, that's one thing that my husband is big on right now is like, no, we don't have to have that debt. Yeah, you don't. And in terms of cars, this is how you buy a car. And I I have to say, I've learned this from Dave Ramsey. The average car payment right now is about $450. Oh my gosh. That's the average car payment. Whoa. If you want to buy a car, project it out into the future. Plan for it. Put that money away, $450 away every month. Mm. For ten months, and then go buy that park car. Yeah, and then cash. just go pay cash yes. for the car. Yeah, and it oh, may that's not, such a good idea. Like, yeah, it may not be the car that you want, but guess what? You have a paid for car. Mm-hmm. You have four hundred fifty dollars a month in cash that you yeah. can that you have that you yeah. know you have, and you can save for the next and you version save for of the that. next yes. version of the car. Yeah, continue putting putting that money away, yeah. and once you have. A substantial amount of money. Yeah. Take that car that you paid cash for, and go trade it in with yeah. the money you have. Or sell it for more cash. Or, yeah, or yeah. yeah. I remember one of the smartest pieces of advice I had an old boss give me one time. It was like one of my first grown-up jobs. I think I was pregnant with Sean. Was just living on my own, and she was just like, "You're basically saying like you have to plan for your taste to change. Yes. Like you're doing okay right now with your like Kia Rio and your two bedroom apartment, mm-hmm. but you know you don't want to be working this job and having these things forever. Like yep. your tastes are going to change. That wasn't to say go finance a Mercedes. It mm-hmm. was plan. plan and she was right. Like she knew I I like nice things, mm-hmm. but I needed to plan a lifestyle that was in the future yes. like gonna like like they're not gonna stop making designer bags yep, nope. you just have to wait until you you know make a plan for when you can get yourself there and don't be in such a rush they'll still have nice cars and nice houses and whatever but you take, don't have to take the shortcut take to cell finance phones it. for example yeah yeah so things are gonna change so why are you gonna the apple put out a cell phone that was a thousand dollars and yeah. people jumped on it that yeah that's when I was like, I used to be one of the ones that was like, love Apple, love the branding. I remember waiting in line for the first phone mm-hmm. with my friend, like we camped out. Yep. So I used to be that way, but when you get to over a thousand bucks for a device yep. that's going to be dropped and touched and mm-hmm. like, you know, I was like, mm. and the memory is going to run out in like 10 yes. days. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, I, this is where you kind of have lost me. So we don't buy new phones anymore but yeah it's like you don't have to don't believe the lie that you're you're worthless if you don't have the 13 or the 12 or whatever like yeah. that's just that's not true and like you can I remember when I I wanted a nicer camera on my phone um because I was like I'm taking pictures for Instagram I'm getting paid for these obviously I need a better mm-hmm. phone you know I need an upgrade but Dean was like you have a camera like just use your camera for now and then I was just patient and then several years later it was like a friend was getting rid of a newer phone, and I was like, I'll take it. Let me just pay that cash for you. And so it's just like you just have to be, I think a little patience goes a long way with fitness, with finances, with all of it. Like you don't have to believe the lie that you need it yeah, right you now. You don't need it right now. If, yeah. you, if you just take a, take a minute, take a step back, and actually plan, okay, stop asking. So one of the things that uh, I, I had to learn how to do was Stop saying, I can't afford it, and start asking, how can I afford it? Right. 
And with that, I was able to start planning into the future and being strategic about how to spend money. And, and, and that's what we're not taught. We're not taught how to be strategic with money. We're taught that if we uh, get this credit card, we can buy it, we can afford it if we have yeah. a credit card. And you can afford it if you can pay cash for it and it not put you at a deficit. Right. yes. Oh my gosh, such good stuff. Okay, so I want to start winding us down here. So I just think, I know a lot of dads that maybe they manage their finances okay by themselves, but then boom, now they have a wife, they have kids, they have extenuating circumstance that maybe they weren't planning for how to buy the kid a car. That's where we're at. Like, Sean's going to need a car soon. Sean's going to need college soon. And so it's like, I understand how dads get into these situations that, are not financially smart because of the pressure mm-hmm. that they're under. Um, and same thing with like, I think even being physically fit and, and aging and stuff. Like I think, you know, dad bods are like embraced now, which is cool, it's whatever. You wanna be Thor from that one movie with the big beer belly? Like I'm not saying you shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm just saying that the more we embrace, the more we say that that's okay, not everybody should carry weight like that mm-hmm. and when you look into getting older it's it's scary you get to a point where you can't take it off so i think i think there's pressure to with all of it with dads and so i love that you're kind of being a good outlet for that so that's my plug for all dads <laughs> to go and follow Corey. so tell us where we can follow you so i am on uh, uh, facebook at coriel stokes um, llc i believe it is okay uh, coriel stokes llc i'm on instagram at coriel s1 okay and then also and your also my blog, yes. Corey-Stokes.com. Okay, awesome. I'm going to link to all of that. Definitely go and follow him on social media. Subscribe to his blog. If you're looking for any advice, I mean, not only will he is there advice on finances, there's advice on like fitness. There's also advice on like what books he's reading right now, like book reviews. Like, so really, I feel like there's something for, for everyone there. So definitely go and follow him. Um, and I just want to ask like, do you have anything planned? I know you just started a new job, so that makes this a little bit harder, but what do you have? What are some types of content you have planned that you can maybe tease us with um, to keep an eye out for if we start? So there, there's a lot of things that are that are I'm planning. I'm toying with the idea of, uh, of doing my own podcast. Yes. Um, I, I know uh, there's a lot of uh, vets that are, are leaving the military or trying to find out what comes next. Mm. So uh, I'm toying with that idea. There may be a couple of blog posts about yeah. that coming. Um, I'm, I'm big on leadership. Um, one of the things that the military uh, teaches is uh, leadership. Mm. And uh, there's, there's still a lot of companies out there that don't know how to develop their mm. leaders. So I'm interested and in talking about that. And one thing, I had an interview one time with a girlfriend of mine who I went to high school with. She lives in Kansas City. And um, she was saying how she noticed in her company there was a lack of diverse leadership. Mm -hmm. And so she literally just spoke up. And now she is helping other black girls like her find and navigate their way through. And it was through no, I'll say this lightly, it was through no fault of her company that they did not have diverse leadership, but it took someone speaking up and being like, let's put a plan together here. And I think regardless of your industry, you could probably go and Google your org chart and look at the very tippy top and you're gonna see what I'm talking about. Um, Not a lot of brown and black people up there. So I think that 
So is of, really cool. A lot of people don't know that they can do yeah. it. And I mean, it takes. It, it well, does because take when you work. look at your top echelon and you don't see someone that looks like you, yeah. I mean, this is psychological. Like, but, it, like it's like psychological. Yeah. Like even kids. And at, and at the same time, though, if you, if, yes, you don't see anyone that looks at you like you at the top, but so you don't know to reach that high. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, set set goals. Set your sights yeah. on where you want to be. Yeah. And then create a path to get there. Yeah. And just leadership in general, Dean and I were just talking about within the scouting organization how we would be better if XYZ kid would communicate more, would take up its leadership role more, if this kid mm-hmm. would get to a leadership position. And so, yeah, I think even kids these days, like we're seeing it where everything they do, and I'm guilty of this too, is via text, via email, via whatever. But then when you're at a meeting or at an event, you don't know how to talk. They to necessarily don't know how to communicate what's going on. So yeah, I think leadership specific. Um, I think that's a cool thing for you to focus on. Um, and I didn't mean to say that you had to focus on diversity right. and leadership. Yeah. I just um, any leadership help is good. But I know that that's a cause that I personally know people that are like, let's make this happen. Let's have a plan. Let's you know. So I think yeah, I think so it's for, important because me, le- good leadership skills don't just have to apply in corporate America. It doesn't. They can it, apply, apply in family yes. life. It can apply everywhere. And for me, that's where uh, a lot of my leadership is focused, is on being that good dad, being a good husband, and setting the example uh, for, for my family. Yeah. Um, and in doing that, other people look and they see, oh, there, there is a black guy that can, yeah. you know, that does read, that does, uh, is still with the family. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I didn't grow up with my dad and I wanted to change that. So yep. I'm I'm that role model yes. for my kids to say, hey, dad is at home. Dad yep. can dad is a person that you can rely on. You yes. can go to your dad. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well I love the content that you're putting out and I'm so glad we spent time together today. Um, I just have one quick plug for everyone. So um, I do have my digital downloads available. It's my premium content. Um, you can be a yearly subscriber for that, or you can just do a dollar a download. I got everything from like recipes to yoga flows to like screensavers. I mean, you name it, all kinds of fun stuff in there. And then I also have my digital marketing course available. So if you're wondering how you can start making more content like we're doing, if you have a business that needs social media help, there's a six weeks course available that does include Zoom sessions with me, um, which is really cool if you're needing the content. It was designed for people to decide whether or not they want to go all in to social media marketing. So that course is available. So check that out um, on my website, themamamarketer.com and uh, stay tuned for more fun interviews. All right, bye.